With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no-empty-miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show at FreightWaves where we focus on innovation, insights, and information and all things sustainability around supply chain. Um, Today is a really special episode. It's the third part in a series where we focus on the journey to reducing emissions. Today, I'm joined by Dan Scarborough, the president and CEO of Incubex, and Andrew Hall, the director of sustainable finance at Trayport. Um, Guys, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Danny. Yeah, thank you very much, Danny. Thanks to uh, FreightWaves as well. So before we kick off, I think it'd be very helpful for you guys to just describe your organization and kind of your history with the um, with the carbon markets. Danny, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. I appreciate that, Danny. Uh, so uh, our company, Incubex, was founded as an uh, incubator for environmental products and really an accelerator for the development of the environmental markets. Uh, uh, we were founded about five years ago, uh, largely from a team of ex-executives from a company called Climate Exchange. Uh, That was really my foray into the market back uh, a little over 15 years ago, working for a company called Chicago Climate Exchange, um, obviously here in Chicago, and uh, working for Dr. Richard Sandor and Michael Walsh, who were, you know, really, uh, I would view as two of the big uh, pioneers in in exchange-traded environmental markets, going back to the acid rain uh, program of the early 90s, uh, and, and Michael Walsh actually brought the acid rain SO2 auctions to the Chicago Board of Trade at that time. And so the, the team, uh, you know, has a deep experience uh, in these markets. And, uh, you know, it's been really good to kind of witness the, the growth of these markets over the, certainly over the last couple of years. Yeah, and tremendous growth really recently in the last 24 months, um, which is why I think it's important to have this conversation because so many people are being exposed to the market um, and providing some context. Um, so thanks. Andrew, do you mind just jumping in and give us some background? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Denny. So I work for the, the TMX Group. The TMX Group is probably best known by most folks as the parent company of the Toronto Stock Exchange. In addition to uh, equities listing and trading, we have a derivatives business at the Montreal Exchange, and then we have our commodities business, which is the Trayport business that we've owned since 2018. I've been in the environmental commodity markets and the compliance and voluntary offset markets specifically since 2007, you know, originally building and running a, a trading desk for all North American uh, environmental commodities. And for the last seven years now, I've been at the TMX group uh, building and running um, environmental commodity markets, particularly carbon markets, and then been involved in other aspects of the sustainable finance business, including uh, sustainable bonds, uh, sustainable indices, ESG disclosure, and so forth. Um, and uh, it's you know similar to, to Dan's experience, it's been exciting to watch the developments in the carbon markets, particularly in the last 18 to 24 months and the voluntary markets specifically, which has always really been a back market to the compliance markets and really has come into its own uh, and started to merge I think with uh, with sustainable finance and some of the trends there. Yeah, and you know, 
your backgrounds, um, I mean, I think they speak to how how long the the market's been in development. It feels new to a lot of people, um, but there's you know some, some substantial structure that I think we want to talk through today because. For firms, I think the thing I worry about is as firms are out in the market um, and they're making promises about goals to reduce emissions, they get to this state. And we talk about this in the first couple episodes. So the pyramid says you should measure first. You got to understand um, you can't you can't reduce what you're not measuring. So measure first. Um, the second bit is find efficiencies. Um and then when you're reviewing those efficiencies is is a really good time to start to think about where you can make reductions and how you should structure your goals. And if you so choose to communicate those goals publicly at that point, you've done a lot of homework leading up to that. Cause I think what we unfortunately see a lot is that firms come out, make a promise before they've done the first two steps. As people get to the third step or past the second step, the third step is if you so wish to reduce to offset the emissions that you currently cannot um, reduce or bait, you can do that through a off, uh, voluntary offset. And what that means just um, in layman's terms is that you've got in your business, you measure what you know the carbon emissions are for um, all the activity that you're doing across, whether it's the assets you own, the energy you consume, or the third parties that come into you and serve, um, and serve your company. You add all that up and then you say, okay, well, here's my emissions for the year. Um, do I want to offset the things I could not reduce? And you can use a voluntary carbon credit to do those. Um, we've seen this a lot. There's been a lot of technology that's come into place. There's a lot of conversation and stories that are talking about the different types of offsets that are out there. Dan, I think it'd be super helpful for you if you could just to lay out kind of what is an offset? What are some of the attributes around it? And start to give some people some understanding. So as they come into the market, um, they have the benefit of being able to discern between different types of um, offsets that are on offer. Yeah, absolutely, Danny. So, you know, I guess to take a step back a little bit, um, you know, environmental commodities really, you know, I would view as a, a broader and now a very emerging asset class. And if you look at really the composition of global environmental markets, you have compliance markets that are government mandated uh, markets. And, you know, right now we have, you know, call it for simplicity you know, 10% or so of the global emissions that are covered by these compliance markets. And then you have voluntary markets. Um, you know, as you mentioned, voluntary markets are, you know, largely uh, operated by, you know, a handful of established registries uh, that have their own verification methods, their own rule set, their own technologies, uh, certain geographies that they may, you know, cover as well. And so uh, carbon offsets, uh, generally speaking, are going to be, uh, carbon reducing uh, projects of some type of uh, technology, whether it's a, you know, uh, an agricultural uh, methane uh, capture project where you have a digester at a dairy farm, uh, you have, you know, reforestation, deforestation, uh, different geographies, different vintages, and really every uh, attribute of these offsets are, you know, critical into understanding exactly what type of, of credit you have. You have direct emission reductions, you have indirect uh, mission reductions. There are a whole bunch of different considerations. And so what we're seeing, you know, if you just look back to the history of Chicago Climate Exchange, it was started as a voluntary carbon market in uh, the early 2000s. And you had ultimately what uh, became about 500 members that joined that program, took voluntary but legally binding uh, commitments to reduce their emission footprint. 
And so these were, you know, 20 of the largest utility companies, DuPont, IBM, International Paper, Motorola, uh, a very, uh, you know, impressive list of companies, some cities, states uh, that actually joined that Chicago Climate Exchange Program. And this was 20 years ago, uh, you know, and that was taking, you know, what at the time we felt was a uh, fairly aggressive emission reduction commitment. You know, now the commitments that are being made by these corporates are net zero commitments uh, or beyond zero or, you know, 100% renewable commitments, you know, beyond, uh, you know, 24-7 renewable commitments. And so, you know, I think a lot of these corporates now are looking at, you know, how do we compete? You know, what's our peer group doing? You know, we certainly want to be viewed as, you know, on the edge of, you know, sustainability. What are our investors thinking about this situation? And so, you know, long story short, I think what we've seen is that the environmental commodity space has developed significantly. You know, just to give you some context on it, you know, less than 1% of the notional value traded in environmental commodities are in this voluntary space currently. Uh, ecosystems marketplace is pointing to, you know, maybe we'll get to a billion in transaction value this year in the offset market. The compliance markets, you know, as I said, are, are, are 99% plus of that transaction value. With many of these private commitments and with the current state of affairs where, like I said, only about 10% of the uh, emission footprint globally is covered by these compliance programs, the voluntary market will have to grow. And, and so, you know, by how much and, you know, at what speed, you know, that is to be determined. But a lot of that is really, you know, very, very much contingent upon having the right underlying verification, having the right tracking, having the right rule set, having the right standardization. And so you've seen a number of initiatives recently, like the voluntary uh, task force uh, for scaling the voluntary markets that have come about to try to provide some of these. But to your point, in some of the earlier episodes that you've run as well, you know, it's very important, first and foremost, to get your carbon accounting right. You need to know your footprint, your scope one, scope two, scope three emissions. And so I think what companies are starting to do now is to really look at, you know, what tools they have in front of them, direct uh, investments they can make in carbon reducing uh, projects, uh, carbon offsets, uh, renewable energy certificates in the case of their scope two emissions, their energy usage, you know, matching that to, you know, let's say a wind uh, energy production or solar energy production through a rec. And so the space is, you know, very fascinating right now and, and, and you know, scaling at an unprecedented rate. Um, but many of these things are, are, you know, becoming increasingly complex because, you know, if you are a company, a corporate, you know, you have tremendous amount of reputational risk you need to consider. You want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And until such time that there are clear guidelines, you know, from the regulators uh, or quote unquote, you know, kind of joke around about, you know, things like, you know, generally accepted carbon accounting principles, you know, things that, you know, you can point to and you can say, you know what, we we did exactly, uh, you know, best practice here. Uh, we're constantly eyeing what our peers are doing in the market. And so seeing all those things kind of unfold in the amount of investor interest and kind of, um, you know, appetite, you know, for these markets to scale has been been really good to see. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. And I think that's 
a good segue um, to talk about Andrew. You know, I've been always fascinated with Freyport and watching how it, you know, how it works in the European market and then European energy markets and how it brings what Dan said, kind of this transparency aggregating activity from a platform perspective. Um, I, I think it's a model of how most um, most markets should work. For, for our audience, do you mind just describing um, Tradeport as a technology and maybe in context how that fits in with, you know, moving into the voluntary markets and what you guys hope to achieve? Sure. So, so I think the easiest way to describe Tradeport almost is a liquidity aggregator, right? So if you look at the European markets, it brings together a bunch of disparate marketplaces, both on the exchange side as well as on the brokerage side to give traders then sort of a single coherent view of, of the different markets then that they might be trading in. It's really applicable to the voluntary carbon market, given the heterogeneity of the underlying offsets, right? There's no, as Dan has mentioned, there's no single standard around which the market has coalesced at this point. That task force for scaling the voluntary carbon markets is looking to to bring some standardization and commoditization to it. But until that happens, is you're going to have a number of different standards like gold standard, um, Vera, um, Climate Action Reserve, and American Carbon Registry, just to name a few, that are kind of the leading standards, if you will, within the market. But then even within each one of those standards, you have different protocols. So we, up to a dozen, sometimes more, different protocols. And, and each one of those protocols represents a different offset project type. Dan mentioned you know, there's energy efficiency, there's ag methane, there's forestry and so forth. And each one has different co-benefits and, and buyers in particular um, attach different values to each one. So even within an existing standard, you could have and see price differentiation. So what Treeport then allows you to do is it allows you to basically address the market as it is right now. So you're dealing with, again, a, a market that is not at all standardized. So the Treport uh, system, the way it's configured and we've structured it right now, is to allow then the buyer and the seller to go in and put in specifics around that particular uh, project or offset that they have for sale. So, for example, traditionally, if you went into a trading platform, you put in your uh, price, your quantity, in the case of environmental commodities, typically the vintage that you were looking to buy or sell. In addition, what we've done is we've added fields that allow you to drill down on specifics of that project, again, to address that heterogeneity of the underlying. So as an example, you can specify the geography. The voluntary carbon market is a global market. It's not geographically constrained. So you could, uh, in the case of TMX, who's buying offsets ourselves, we want offsets that are from North America, just so that they're a little bit closer to home. Um, but other buyers may have a preference for nature-based solutions. So they could go in and within the different protocol options in each standard, they can select forestry, for example, or agriculture. Um, or if they're uh, interested, I personally, I like industrial gases just because of the simplicity and surety of the, of the emissions reduction. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have the same co-benefits, for example, as a, uh, as a forestry project. But the system then allows you to go down at a very granular level and specify the type of offsets that you're looking for. One other thing that we're looking or that we've done and that I think will help you know, um, lead the market to a more commoditized structure is we've created what we call a generic contract. And that then allows a buyer who doesn't necessarily have a preference for the standard or the protocol within the different standards to make a bid uh, on a offset and then the seller will determine which one of those offsets gets delivered to satisfy that contract 
um, that meet a certain sort of a broader uh, spec than, than what you might be able to do if you selected a specific standard and a specific protocol. Um, so we're looking to provide some flexibility to the market. So we address both the um, specific needs of buyers than that have specific needs, as well as more general needs for those that might, uh, again, not necessarily have a preference at this point. The other thing that the Tradeport platform enables is just a broader group of market participants to, to interact with the market, whereas traditionally in a cleared market, you need to set up the infrastructure, the financial, the risk, the accounting infrastructure um, to trade commodities. So you need to have an FCM, you need to be able to clear and so forth. And that really limits market participation to those then that, that are very sophisticated. So big energy companies, banks, financial players, and, and the like. The way the trade board system is configured for this application, uh, for the voluntary carbon markets, is to allow entities then that aren't necessarily actively trading, but do want to get that tri- price transparency, do want to get that liquidity, do want to, you know, get a sense of the voluntary market to interact with it and to transact on that platform um, right away without necessarily having to um, either be prevented or having to use a financial intermediary. Um, so it's it's going to, I think, broaden the audience who can participate in the voluntary carbon market. And as Dan said, the, the market remains very small right now, but forecast for it are, are for rapid growth. And we think this will be a key catalyst to accelerating the growth of that market uh, when we launch next year. You know, even just hearing you talk through the things that you're addressing, um, I want to bring bring up and touch on some of those. But I think what's happening in the space, and we're using terminology here that not everyone is yet familiar with, right? Because as these companies start to interface with this market, you know, I was talking to Chief Sustainability the office, Chief Sustainability Officer the other day, and he's now, you know, a commodity trader. He, you know, I don't think that people who get into that role realize that that's part of the job, but it is, um, or it's, it can be. And um, in most cases, people are new to it. They don't have the, the big Rolodex of, brokers or intermediaries that they that they can thumb through to figure out um you know what the market's at right and a lot of a lot of times people are have a very small um network to pull um to pull information from and so they may not be seeing the full market i think this is an interesting platform because what we what i've seen to date there's a lot of technology companies that are stepping in as another layer of layer of intermediaries in here where you've got the the you know the the registries you've got the the big name brokerage firms that are dealing these credits and then you have technology providers that are providing that are acting as um, a buffer between kind of the larger retail market we see this a lot right you go to buy something on Wayfair or wherever and you can opt into an offset or they're telling you they're going to offset it and they're doing these things in a very programmatic way right a lot of people want to buy in in small lots. But there are, um, you know, large institutions that are looking to buy big tranches of, of offsets and to have a platform to, you know, to see the market is, I think, super important. As people go to transact, um, Andrew, on the platform, what is the workflow like? And again, I want to, you know, for, for our audience who, as I said, probably isn't a commodity trader or has never traded commodities, um, I think it's helpful for them to understand kind of the workflow of of executing um, and what it means for them to hit buy on a, on a screen um, and why it's important for them to have access to direct, you know, 
to the market directly rather than relying on any intermediary? Sure. So, so, I mean, the process, and I can speak to it just based on our own experience, TMX buying voluntary offsets for our own net, net carbon neutral commitment is that, you know, even almost before interacting with the market, there's a lot of education that's required. Um, offsets are new. Uh, certainly the folks around this call, I think, are fairly familiar and comfortable with it and have been for some time. But for the average average um, corporate or client, then it's, it's something brand new. So a lot of internal education to kind of understand what offsets are. You guys mentioned earlier then doing the work to do your footprints. That's often part and partial, parcel now of ESG disclosure. Um, what we find with our issuers who... who um, Depending on the industry, some are some are in fairly emissions intensive industries. It's you know they're asking to be to have ESG disclosure. Then they do their uh, carbon footprinting, and then they build a strategy around that to help get to a, a net zero commitment that they may have made or, or are looking to make. I think at that point, that's where they can start to look to that to the voluntary carbon market. And I would say the first thing to do is is to sort of have an understanding then of what type of offset it is that, that you're looking for, because there's quite a range of pricing across the different standards, as well as the protocols and the, that exist within the standards. So it can be fairly confusing, fairly quick. And, and so one of the things then that this platform is going to do, this uh, TDCM platform is going to do, is it's just going to give you some transparency of view into the market and how things are pricing. Um, and so you get a sense of, you know, is, is if you're not particular about the project or the protocol, then uh, is it a particular price point that you're aiming for? Because, you know, again, it, each one does represent a single carbon offset. So really that price differentiation is based more on, you know, perceived value um, or alignment with, with corporate goals that, um, that you may have. Um, in terms of workflow, you know, getting set up on the platform is, is fairly straightforward. And it'll operate as a subscription business. That would be for the platform technology itself. And then, as Dan mentioned, the Incubex will be running one of the venues on the market. So there'll be an onboarding process there, and that will then provide uh, an end client or somebody to look or looking to participate in the market, say, to fulfill a net zero commitment or to just trade on the market uh, access to it. And the actual transaction process is, is quite straightforward on the platform. Um, even for somebody who's new to it, once you've sort of determined and have a strategy within your organization in terms of what it is you're looking to buy, um, the layout is is quite straightforward. It's got all the details about uh, price, volumes, vintage, um, standards, and protocols, as I mentioned earlier, that um, that are visible on the platform. And then it's it's a matter of executing. Uh, it's almost a single click on the screen, and then that matches you with a buyer or a seller. Um, and then the other, I guess, innovation that we've introduced is the ability to use a standardized underlying agreement. It's entirely optional for the end users, whether or not they want to use it or they can customize it as they see fit to meet the specific credit, for example, requirements that their organization may have or place on the counterparties. Um, and it just makes then that execution of the trade up to the point of delivery much simpler than it might otherwise be. Um, as well, you know, you have that transaction, an auditable transaction record. So later on down the road, if you need to sort of establish that, hey, we transacted that market or, or thereabouts, given the product, you have that ability to, um, to verify that in, a, in an auditable way. Um, as well, there's the ability to have data streams so you can sort of track pricing over time. 
Um, and it uh, provides the ability to transact forward as well. So if folks aren't quite ready to transact or they don't necessarily want to take delivery of it, they have the ability to transact into the future to align the delivery of the offsets with uh, when they want to retire them or when they want to take delivery of them. That's a really interesting concept for people who are maybe new to futures or forward agreements where you can look at your business, you can model it out and who knows where the price of voluntary markets uh, or voluntary carbon credits are going to go, but it feels like they're going up. So it may be a good time to, to try to lock in some of that. Um, Dan, you know, before we um, close up here, I just want to understand how, you know, what Incubax, you guys have been in the market for quite some time. You, you see a lot that's happening. You see some of the standardization that's coming in, but not yet there. Why was it important for Incubax to, to step up and, and provide a venue through Trayport um, to help the market and provide liquidity and transparency? Yeah, it's a really good question, Danny. The, you know, I think uh, fundamentally, we, you know, everything we do as a firm is driven by feedback uh, from market participants and, you know, trying to you know, listen to the trading community. You know, Andrew knows very well, you know, having run one of the larger uh, environmental, you know, trading desks, um, you know, in the market. So you're, you're kind of hearing uh, kind of from from the horse's mouth, uh, so to speak, about some of the challenges in transacting, and um, and and to your point, you know, the community of you know traders in the market uh, historically, you know, the emission desk largely came from the coal desk, and the the emission desk was kind of an add on to the to the uh, coal desk because that's where the emission footprint you know lied at uh, many of these utility companies and. The emission footprint was just something that those companies had to deal with. And uh, in that case, you know, this was EPA data. Uh, you know, you had at the stack emission tracking in real time monitoring. Um, and so you had a very good idea of what your footprint was in the case of SO2 or NOx or some of these, you know, federally mandated emission markets that really predated, you know, some of these carbon markets. Um, but really, you know, back to the point of the current state of the voluntary carbon markets, you know, we really see first and foremost, you know, that the wholesale market, and that's really what I would refer this, to this as, you know, a wholesale market for buyers and sellers to have increased price transparency, um, you know, really uh, better execution and really, you know, looking at, you know, bringing some of these tools that have worked so well across the energy markets, you know, to the environmental markets. And so if you're logged into the Trayport platform, you can see you know, what the price of EUAs is uh, right now. And you have a real-time view of that, the, the largest carbon market globally. You can see where the price of California carbon allowances are. You can also see where the price of, of voluntary offsets are. And so we think that's a very compelling, you know, offering. Um, it's part of the overall picture. It's part of the overall education process, I think, for the marketplace. Um, but, you know, really, uh, the voluntary space is very exciting because back to the point of listening to customers, you know, while 99% plus of the transaction value may be in the compliance markets, probably 99% of the interest is in the voluntary space. And there's just a lot of, um, you know, uh, education, a lot of interest, um, you know, companies are really trying to evaluate sort of what are the tools in front of them. And, you know, we definitely, you know, have the fundamental view that, you know, because of the core, you know, sort of uh, technology behind Trayport you know, it will be a good tool for the market. And so that, you know, that combination and that partnership uh, to, you know, bring this solution to the market was, was very, um, very important to us. But, you know, again, it was really driven by, you know, the feedback from the marketplace that, you know, uh, these kind of tools are, uh, are needed uh, in this space. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we really appreciate both of you coming on today. It's a conversation I think that I can go on for a while about, and I'm sure there'll be reason for us to get back on here. Thanks so much for your time. Um, we will have ways for people to reach out. Just real quick, Andrew, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, probably the easiest way to, to get in touch is uh, is via email. Great. We can uh, we can provide those um, those emails out. And Dan, is that likewise for you? Yeah, email, phone call, any, any uh, whatever's best for for you. But yeah, we, we um, yeah happy to get contact details and uh, look forward to connect with anybody that that may have questions about you know what we're up to. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, guys.